T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Hawk. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Well, obviously this morning we've been talking about Tamar Hamlin and uh, him collapsing on the field. And how did you take in the game last night? And, and what were your thoughts on what happened? My thoughts right now are... You know, the medical personnel there did an extraordinary job treating him immediately there and then getting him to the hospital. And so hopefully there's some good news for him. I I guess the first word that comes to mind is scared. I mean, you know, I mean, fear was the first thing that that came in my mind. Something that we all knew was on the radar screen as a possibility, but we never expected it to happen. And now we just wait for further information from the team or the family or the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. Thanks, you guys. I love you guys. On 670 The Score. Prayers to DeMar Hamlin. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Praise to DeMar Hamlin, all the prayers uh, that we have. And, David, um, I, I, I guess the reports are more positive. I guess we have more information, a little bit more. Heard from his uncle yesterday. I don't know that it, that it was the greatest news. The the best thing I heard is that uh, he's down from 100% oxygen to 50%. That's a good sign. You can't. Um, you gotta you gotta see progress of some sort. I was very disturbed by the fact that they had to bring back uh, his heart a second time once he got at the hospital. hospital. That, yeah, that, on that Monday was night. Tough. That was morning, tough. Molly. Yeah, I think it was a day of waiting and wondering. Yeah, and a lot of uh, googling because you're trying to find out information and updates. You're trying to find out research, and uh, you're hearing from a wide range of medical experts, from nurses to doctors to cardiologists. But you heard from the family. And they were encouraged. You have to stay positive. And I think everybody's sort of just waiting in, in the waiting mode. And that's why you see decisions made at the league level. That's why you see the prayers continue to be extended. This has resonated nationally in a way that I'm not sure anybody could have anticipated. Mm. It's cut across sports. It's You have casual non-sports fans in, kind of fascinated and, and paying attention, I think, just because of the unprecedented nature of it. It was on a national stage, and it's brought the sport to a halt almost. There was not a lot of activity yesterday on the field, 
Um, a lot of things were canceled off of it out of respect, and I think that's going to continue until we get some more good news, and we hope that comes today. Yeah, I I think that one of the reasons that the story resonated as it did is that the league shut down effectively, right? They canceled all of the of the scheduled news conferences. Tuesday is an off day in the NFL anyway, and uh, you really begin on Wednesday with the game plan being put in and all that. So I'm sure that around the NFL facilities, all the coaches were working on the game plan. They were put they were They were working, but the players weren't in, and they canceled interviews around the National Football League that where usually you get some coordinators or you'll have a, a coach talk or something. You usually want to keep the story uh, moving forward in the NFL. I mean, the you know, as a beat writer, David, you well know that your – your work week was established under uh, Pete Rozelle, who was an old PR guy, and the NFL has always operated the same way, which is the big game is on the weekend, and then the postmortems are on Monday. And on Tuesday, is it's the off day, but you start moving toward the next game. Sure. So you have something there to keep the story alive. Then Wednesday, it's all the beginning of the hype. Thursday, continuation, and then they kind of go into silent mode after Friday – but it's all to get you all the information you're going to write over the weekend to get the big game coming up once again. You control the news cycle. That's it. That's what and they want to do. This is never the way you want to do that. You never want what? to do it this way. And I think yesterday they did go dark for the yeah. most part. We heard from Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. He right. was uh, one of the coaches that did conduct business as usual. But I think that there also was a purpose because he had a personal relationship with with the player and and I think when you look at DeMar Hamlin's past with Pittsburgh and the community and Mike Tomlin's stature in that yes. city it, it was understandable why he did go to the microphone said some nice things about the young man he put some good things in perspective as he typically does but you're right this was kind of a day that the league paused out of respect and waited <sighs> Anxiously, patiently, a lot of way, different ways, just wanting to get an update that you could feel, you know, encouraged by. I, I, I think you could interpret some of the reports positively, but I, I don't know that for a fact because I don't want to pretend to be, you know, a medical profession. We're all kind of in the same spot who aren't doctors or nurses, trying to look at, you know, the reports and trying to interpret the the um, what happened and and translate it in a way that. It makes us feel better about it. And, and you know, you know this. I don't know if everyone realizes that the University of Pittsburgh and the Steelers share the same building, and the offices are on yeah. one side for each program. So, when, like, when we talked to Dave about touring uh, the Pittsburgh, the University of Pittsburgh weight room and running across an NFL player, it's not just because he do- donated the weight room. It's also the, it, it is a very high-quality place that is connected you know not they don't share the same weight room but it is connected in the same bill in other words i'm saying that that mike tomlin would have a relationship with a lot of the pit guys absolutely true and also in this case uh demar hamlin had been a high school star in pittsburgh yes mike tomlin was aware of him i think he said since he was 12 years old why don't we listen to mike tomlin because that that was uh really good stuff I'll say this about uh, DeMar Hamlin. Um, man, it's a really personal thing for me, uh, being a Pittsburgher. 
And that young man being a Pittsburgh, I've known that guy probably since he was about 12. Um, just got a lot of respect and love for him as a human being, um, his commitment to the pursuit of his uh, goals and dreams of doing what it is he's doing right now, which is playing in the NFL. And to watch him make personal decisions and, and, and make that a realization, it's just an honor to get to know young people like that. That is uh, uh, Mike Tomlin, who does a great job and, and really is involved, has been in Pittsburgh a long time. And he referred to himself as a Pittsburgher, which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he just puts things in perspective, and he, he speaks with authority, and he also is just a human. And this is why uh, this did cut across so many different um, I, lifestyles. It doesn't You don't have to be an NFL fan to be kind of curious about this story, to be drawn to it, because you were watching on, on national television what happened, and it was – and I also say this about the media coverage of it. It has been somewhat more respectful than maybe you get cynical about media coverage and you think that is always going to be uh, very similar and familiar. But there has been a, an attempt to not show the video of the hit and the reaction to the hit that I think has been uh, a pleasant surprise. Well, I, I got to tell you, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not arguing with you about that. But I, I, I think the fact that the hit wasn't like a significant, like it wasn't this ultra-violent mo- moment. Wasn't obvious. It, where, oh, oh, no, look what right. happened. It wasn't. We've seen, we've seen worse moments. I mean, again, it was, it was apparently just the, the, you know, the kind of bizarre, you know, it hit him in just a spot where this incident freakish occurred. freakish kind yeah, of accident no you doubt don't about see it that happen often in the nfl and you see much worse hits but i'm with you i think out of respect i'm glad they're not it's not on a loop and we're not I, watching i, I do i am too and maybe it's just the way individuals will internalize it or consume the media and, and i don't want to speak for everybody certainly but what it was about this was that the reaction was what told you there was something very wrong yes. here Right. And it wasn't the impact. Usually no. in football, the NFL, this is the this is the the league where these vicious hits take place and we consume that and we love that and you you become addicted to it as a nation, but this wasn't that. No. That's no. what made it so unusual. Yeah. And and again, I mean, you know, the I I don't know who I heard talking about it, but when he when when uh when Hamlin jumps back up and then collapses you know it's cardiac arrest yeah. because he it is that it is not like a brain when a guy can get back up it's not i don't know what people thought initially but apparently and i didn't know this that the very fact that he jumped up and then collapsed meant that it was a heart issue and they 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 were able to perceive that immediately from the nature of of his response and the the nature of his response and then the reaction to the medical personnel and the way that they uh, got him to the hospital as quickly as they did saved his life. And we talked about that yesterday. The one thing I think was interesting in hearing from Dorian Glenn, the uncle of right. DeMar Hamlin, was, as you alluded to, they had to resuscitate him a second time at the hospital. And we talked yesterday about, and I think I, I said this, that it, it – was encouraging that they got him in the ambulance and then they waited for the mom to come down. Yeah. So how emergent of a situation could it have been? Well, 
I don't understand that now because it does seem like yeah. if they were waiting for her and then they got to the hospital and they still was it was still to the point where they had to resuscitate him yeah. it, that's the part that like you you're you're so drawn to every you want every detail but it's impossible to get and all you ultimately care about is his recovery but that one didn't really when they put him in the ambulance and then waited for his mother whether it was 3 minutes whatever length of time um, you thought they had stabilized him for the journey to the hospital the minute they put him in the ambulance. The idea that he had to be revived a second time at the hospital is frightening to me. It, it is. Because every second counts, right? It, every so, You would think that. I, I, you would want that. Yeah. yeah. And I, but again, this is, we go back. We, in, uh, in retrospect, the, the evaluation or the analysis of what should have happened and what, what we thought could have happened, this is, think about it, this is such a frantic situation, yeah. unprecedented, never happened before, People are making decisions on the fly. And so, yeah, that might have been the case, but they also might have said, well, geez, this is bad. We want to get his mom. There might be some decisions that need to be made, whatever the case may be. It's just you hope that today we get some more encouraging news, and you hope that no news actually is good news. Right, right. Because yesterday you wondered. And yesterday we were left to – I'll say this about the the uncle too. Dorian Glenn, maybe we we have – can hear from him a little bit because – he stepped forward. There's always somebody in every family, right, who is going to be the face to at and, least address it as well as he has. He, he had not even slept because where does he live? He lives um, out of state. He, he jumped in the car and, with, he, was and he drove. He, he said during this uh, interview we'll listen to here that he hadn't slept in 24 hours. He's still here. He's just healing right now. He's healing. Um, like I said, they sedated him just to give him a better chance for, you know, him to just continue to heal better. Um, and we're just taking it day by day, you know, um, seems like he's trending upwards in a, a positive way and, you know, thanking God for that. But, you know, just continue to have people just continue to send them prayers in. Cause I really believe those are making a difference for him having a full recovery that we're all hoping and expecting. For. Well, his heart had went out. So, um, they had to resuscitate him twice. They resuscitated him on the field before they brought him to the hospital. And then they resuscitated him a second time when he got to the hospital. So, um, I just want to show my gratitude for the medical uh, staff that were on hand because if not for them, my nephew probably wouldn't even be here. It's extraordinary. It is extraordinary, and he, he was pretty eloquent and composed when he was talking to reporters as often as he talked to them on uh, on uh, Tuesday. And so what we know now is that there's been some lung damage. He's breathing with the aid of a, of a, a respirator, and going to wait and see what happens today but again it seems like it seems like it was better news than it could have been I, I suppose that's the way we'll interpret it I know some people will look at it the other way I don't I'm not going to pretend to you know know the difference between the way some people are explaining it but it does seem as if there's hope for good news today yeah I, I mean I think he's still here he is still alive, yeah. and and as his uncle said, that allows for a healing process. So, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the medical terms or the. I'm not a doctor, uh, David. I know you view me as one, maybe a doctor of life. Um, but I, I find it encouraging. The um, the oxygen being reduced a little bit. That means he's breathing more on his own. He's getting. It's also, you know, you're, you only have a certain amount of uh, 
of time. You know, we had a, a nurse yesterday text in about it's not uncommon for, for this sort of thing when this sort of trauma occurs for someone to go on a ventilator and then get off one. So that's what you're praying for. And, and I suppose in a certain, to a certain extent that as time passes, that is a positive thing because that allows the body. To it is. And that's, that's it's all true. Uh, they turned him on his stomach to help him breathe. And that, in, that was interpreted a couple of different ways, but you talk to some nurses and you see some of those reports and that just, I guess, reinforces just how grave he still. Oh yeah. No, this is the danger is. Oh, this is. And I think that that's also the response from the NFL. Um, this is still, you know, the prayers are still needed. This is still kind of touch and go to the point where they have canceled it. They're, they're not going to replay the game this week. They, the league took a step back and I think correctly, um, yesterday. And, um, it's very interesting to uh, to contemplate I, what that means moving forward. I think that was smart. It bought him some time. Yep. And what we talked about yesterday, the reason I felt so adamant, I think we were talk as we talked about it, and, and you as well, is that there was no way you could conceivably envision playing football today, given the state of mind, yep. given everything else. What the league did yesterday was that they bought themselves a little bit more time. Yep. They can wait and see. They're they're hoping to get some positive news as well, and then they can move forward. So now, as you take that step back, maybe everything is in play. If you if you look at the schedule, if you get some good news, and then what about moving everything back a week? Everything back a week, not just that game. There are a lot of different options, a lot of different alternatives, but uh, they were wise to just say yesterday the only announcement they can make is that they're not going to play that game this week. Yeah, I, you know, again, I think that's the only announcement they could make. And I think that they're doing a good job of kind of compartmentalizing things. I'm sure they're debating and and um, working on all aspects of it because they that's the, what they do. That is what their responsibility is. But I think that they taking a public step back from it is the right move, and it shows the proper respect for the seriousness of the issue. You've got to wonder – about the rest of the league and the players, their state of mind as they report back to practice today, as they get ready to play a game today. I know that uh, I know that it's football, and I don't know if this is what they are expecting and what they signed up for to some degree, but I don't think anybody can anticipate how they're going to feel now. Because the first time they get on that field and put on their equipment and they go in for a, a tackle or a block or any sort of play, it's going to be a psychological hurdle that they've never really cleared before. I, I, don't, I don't want to overstate that, but I do think that there's a fear element. There's got to be a, a, an anxiety element that they'd never had to confront before they, they saw what they, they saw unfold in real time on Monday night. So I wonder about that. I, I got to say, somebody texted in yesterday and was, wanted to talk about, um, you know, NASCAR and, uh, you know, the, the death that occurred Dale Earnhardt. with Dale Earnhardt yeah. and, um, and how he wasn't wearing the, I believe it's called the, the Hans device, which is the head and neck stabilizer mm -hmm. that you wear in a car. And, and I was just thinking – 
because we talked to Dan Bernstein yesterday about um, projectiles and how you protect kids from that. And he was saying that there is like a pad that you put kind of, I was just wondering if, if you just change the equipment code in the NFL, something as simple as adding an extra padding kind of at the bottom like of the Like a breast shoulder. protector? Yeah, just something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that. that well, that, I mean, you I, could do fairly easily. Now, again, this has never happened before. This is a very extraordinary circumstance, and it's not like we're seeing this occur, but it has happened. It, so I wonder if there is a is there, if there is a safety or a protection element that you could add um, pretty quickly, really, to the to – Pretty the, seamlessly as yes, well. Yes. And I think that's a really good idea. At least it merits some further discussion – and that's why, because of the – and I don't like using this term a lot, but it does seem like a very freakish injury. Yeah. And it's something that is not anything we've seen before. Right. I, I don't know, Molly, and, I, and I, I think we'll talk about this and we'll probably get some reactions to this, but when I, when I watched this and I t- see the reaction to it, I don't really put it in the same category as concussion awareness and the concussion no. issue no. in the NFL. And I have heard that – uh, Not at these all. issues grouped together yesterday no, that, and talking that's about poor. that's a poor that's a bad example and here's why because the concussion thing has been a long-standing issue and problem with the sport that needed to be addressed and it has been addressed and you can't control it to some aspect you but, can control treatment you can control a lot of different things about the the way the game is played and the way you react to these kind of hits but with this it's such a rarity, yeah, that it's very difficult to to start trying to legislate for this occurring. Is I mean, how long has the NFL been around? Well, long enough to. I mean, I, I'm saying let's say it's a hundred years. Okay. I, I mean, this is one, right? This right. is one time this has happened. I've never seen anything like this before. And again, when you know, people keep talking about the the Detroit player uh, Chuck Hughes from 1971. That was they found in the in the autopsy that that was a blockage issue. That was a that was a heart condition, and he died of a heart attack. It wasn't this based is, on contact. This is cardiac arrest. It was yeah, which is based on the you prompted know, by the hit that he took. That's right. That was at a, the angle that yeah, it just, just had the to angle be. Of the hit. Yes. and it was just so rare. Right. That when I watched yesterday, and I'm and I'm not trying to be critical, and I hope no. it doesn't sound that way, but. No. You watch a, a national news report, and all of a sudden it goes from DeMar Hamlin to uh, Tua's issues with concussions, and it lumps the NFL uh, and these things together. And really, frankly, people, there is no rational connection between the two, in my opinion. Yeah. Because one is something that the NFL has to address and be honest about in terms of concussion protocol and awareness and in controlling that. But this is something that you could have been as prepared as you wanted to for, and this has very little to do if, with anything but awful, awful luck. Yeah, it was, it's just a, it's, it, it is a, such a rare incident that I don't know that there is a need to legislate or to come up it's with. It's not a about solution. targeting. It's no, not about no. You know, uh, that was a. Ve- I mean, again, this is a guy caught a football and was turning up the field. The player was was right there and brought him down, and that that's effectively what happened. It wasn't, it you know, there, was there contact? Did you see a hit? Absolutely, but it did. It it was a commonplace type of hit and a very rare um, event. There was even commentary. I think it was from Bart Scott, might have been, who 
talked about T. Higgins and the way that he lowered his head and went into uh, Hamlin as as a potential cause of that. And I, I don't even know if it was that irregular of a – there was nothing David, I, different I, about the play. I mean, I have seen guys in the NBA that, that are setting a pick. Yeah. A player doesn't see them and runs into them, and usually that player collapses, but – could could you know could yeah. a shoulder just like absolutely because that's, that's really how point. strange it was right? it was yeah any sport you could be exposed to that kind of contact I right. suppose that could create that kind of reaction and it's just a it's just uh, it's, it's the it's worst terrible. possible time yeah very difficult stuff all right we've got the pick six next we'll talk more about this we'll get into the stories of the day. It's Mully and Haw on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767 or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. Did the NFL get it right when they announced the suspended game between the Bills and the Bengals won't be resumed this week? Did they have much of a choice after the shocking tragedy involving DeMar Hamlin? Who went into cardiac arrest and had to have his heart restarted twice, according to his uncle? Hamlin remains in critical condition, but reports have been hopeful. Yeah, I don't know that they had any other choice, frankly. And and I got to be honest with you, I, I heard the Troy Vincent stuff and, uh, you know, he was talking to Goodell and all that. But it did seem when you watched it um, in real time that the coaches made that decision and the players may have made that decision for the coaches, that they decided they were going off the field and the players may well have decided that they couldn't continue on. I don't, I don't, I mean, I get it. The league says that they never told them you got five minutes to, you know, start thinking about playing again. I, I think that a corner was turned and that was the case. And I got to be honest with you, I would suspect that as much as the league, let's just say the league went the other way and said, you know, we're playing that game today. Um, there may well have been this this feeling, well, just tell them we forfeit. You know, we're not playing. And um, 
And I don't know that you can legislate telling people to play or what the time of it is when something like this uh, occurs and kind of throws everything off schedule. So I think the league did the only thing that the league could do. And I don't know that the league even thought about doing anything else because we talked about the logistics of it. They had already gone home. The idea, what are you going to do, bring them back now? And now we're going to play a football game? I didn't think there was any way out of it for the NFL. So congratulations to them for doing the right thing. But again, I'm not sure they had any choice whatsoever. Well, I think it's the had no choice part, really. Um, That game couldn't be played this week. My, my, My problem, though, is what's the plan? Okay, so week 18 is going to move forward as scheduled, except they still have a TBD as far as the kickoff time for the Bengals-Ravens game, which has implications all over the AFC playoff picture. Hmm. So I want to hear from the NFL, if this, this, and this happens, then we're going to have to do X with that game. They've got, they have to be working on, they, they have to be telling us what they are doing if certain things happen on Sunday. That We get that all week long. We get scenarios, right? The, the pregame shows, we'll be talking about it all week. If this happens and if this happens and this team needs help, so what are they? But, get, what are you going to do? When do you need that information? Well, I want, I, I want it now. You can't have it now because Friday. they don't have to make Sunday. a decision until you Saturday. have to make it. I, Dustin, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think what they did was they bought themselves some time and maybe they left open the possibility that week 18 there will be no games or maybe week 18 will be the only game will be uh – Bills and and Bengals. Week nineteen. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, they said week eighteen is moving on as scheduled. You know, this as is of week now. Eight, right. Well, they I mean, can... but they. You think that? Do you? Think, I mean, honestly, I'm not. I'm not trying to be argumentative. I, I, do you think it's a possibility? Are you? Is this what you're saying? I'm listening. Are you saying that this week's slate of games might all be canceled, postponed? That's right. You postponed. have a week to play with. You have the week that we talked about yesterday. That is extra between the Super Bowl and the champ in the conference championship games. And if you are the NFL and you don't get any more medical updates from uh, DeMar Hamlin today, and you still are concerned about the reality and the possibility of it going either way, then I do think you have to reserve the right to step in. If you're Roger Goodell and say, there will be no football Sunday because this is a league that is not in a state of mind to play the game. I don't know that to be true, but I think when you're talking about the range of possibilities, you have to consider all alternatives, and that has to be one of them because what we saw yesterday was a league reacting to this anxiety that is real, and I don't know how players are going to respond the first time they're back on the field. And as for real quick, I do think that, Molly, it's a great point about um, players deciding and coaches deciding they weren't going to play. Troy Vincent was responding to what he felt and logistically – both things can be true. Yeah. They may have vowed on the field that there's no way we could play this game where it just took a little bit longer for the league to come to the same conclusion based on the information they had. So I think both things can possibly be true. And if he throws another pick six, then he throws a pick six. That's the voice of Stacey Dale. She'll be here at 9 o'clock with Mully and Haw. The Bears changed up their schedule to have a closed walkthrough rather than the typical Wednesday practice today. Why do you think they did so? How hard do you anticipate it'll be for the Bears and every NFL team to resume the regular routine today after Monday's shocking events? Well, I think that's why I'm leaving that 
possibility open? I don't know that we can answer that question until you're in that situation and you know each and every player is going to answer it differently. I think this is almost trickier than the concussion issue. Concussions are something that, as a player, you feel like you can protect yourself from and you can play safer, you can tackle more be more fundamentally sound. The freakish nature of this injury might create a level of anxiety that nobody can anticipate how they're going to react to. And so I don't know the answer to these questions. I don't know if the walkthrough today rather than a practice is related to any concerns that they were, were expressed or any sort of tension or emotions that are very, very uh, delicate right now and raw. So I, don't, I, I think this is unprecedented territory for coaches, for players, for fans and media. So I think that TBD, to be determined, as you say, the schedule, the reaction to it, and that's why I think you leave open that possibility that anything could happen this weekend. Well, I, I'm confused, and I don't like being confused. Um, so the NFL, the, there's not much availability on Tuesday, but the Chiefs, because they're playing on Saturday, decided not to talk yesterday. But Mike Tomlin, because of his connection with Hamlin, decided to talk yesterday. Is it a big deal that the Bears are having a walkthrough that's air quotes closed to the media? I mean, how much of that does the media get to watch anyway if they were having a practice? I mean, I, I'm saying, according at 2.37 yesterday, I got an email from the Bears saying that at 11.35 this morning, Matt Eberflus is going to talk and quarterback Justin Fields is going to be available. So what what's different? Because it's a walkthrough? I, I'm just, I just don't, I, I'm confused. What What's different or what's jaw gaping about about this i mean if anything then don't have anybody talk but if you don't have anybody talk then you're hiding you're hiding from the issue at hand you've got a coach that values wednesday practice deciding not to practice wednesday i think that's the significance but do you think that's because they're so banged up i mean but maybe i mean they're are they are they not practicing because of their own personal issues with health or because of what happened monday is the walkthrough because of monday yeah, I think the walkthrough is probably due to the injuries with the team, honestly. I think that they've got to be able to field a team and get through the game on Sunday, the season finale. What I find interesting is that if you're if you're going to start Nathan Peterman as opposed to Justin Fields, and I, I think they're going to start Fields, but how can you start Nathan Peterman if you don't give him enough practice time? There's no – what's he going to gain from a walkthrough? Or what? Who's the who's the third quarterback? I've, I've lost the guy's name all of a sudden. Boyle. Yeah. What is Boyle going to learn in a walkthrough that would prepare him to come in in an emergency if you're not playing Justin Fields? I I just I think that there there could be more to it. I, I think they're really beaten up. I think it's that time of year, and I think they're trying to get to the season finale, and they probably will practice on third. They're probably they're, that's probably a nod. To their physical condition as opposed to if, if you're actually preparing to play on Sunday then I'm guessing that this is about the physical condition of the team and I'm also guessing that this means Justin Fields starts I, I think it's probably a fair interpretation of that I, I just don't know a hundred percent if it's all related to the concerns for the physical condition or the mental state of mind you know to answer your question how deflating is it to learn the NBA has acknowledged officials blew two calls against the Bulls in the final 12.1 seconds of regulation on Monday? 
The association revealed that the refs should have called a travel on Jarrett Allen with 12.1 seconds left in regulation, and that the refs should have also called lane violation on Donovan Mitchell's putback bucket that forced OT. That's two straight games in which the Bulls woulda, coulda, shoulda won if the right calls have been made. What good is knowing that? There's no good to it. I, I mean, the problem, it's just hugely frustrating. I get I get it. You know, this is a, they're trying to be transparent and they're, you know, we are in an age where I don't know if you know it or not, but apparently you can wager on professional sports in the United States. Not that you couldn't always, but now I guess legally you can do it. So I appreciate the transparency. But other than being able to say, well, that crew is in trouble, they're not going to get this or get that, that's two straight games that the Bulls have fouls committed on them that could have changed the outcome of the game. How in the name of God is that not called? I guess not fouls, but there were violations of the rules that could have changed the game. Um, it, it, it's very frustrating when you learn that and you learn, well, DeMar was fouled on that last second shot that he missed. He should have had a couple of free throws. Uh, oh, well, that would have changed the game a little bit, right? Um, and that, that these two calls were blown. It's... The problem is it doesn't matter. It doesn't. You can't have like a asterisk record. We actually have won six more games than you thought. No, that doesn't count. What's deflating is that Patrick Williams doesn't know how to box out. That, that that's that's, true. that's that's more deflating than anything. But I will say this: it, it, the travel. I mean, traveling and carrying. If you get down to the okay, it happens on literally every. It's like holding in the NFL. You decide to call it sometimes, but it goes on every single trip up and down the court. But I would say that the lane violation seems to be something that should be reviewable or challengeable, especially late down the stretch of a game, right? In the NFL, all the scoring plays are reviewed, right? Now, I'm not saying that every scoring play in the NBA has to be reviewed because you'd still be playing game number one right now if that were the case. But on a lane violation, there should be a... a uh, a card or a red flag, if you will. Let's go to the replay. In the last 30 seconds, each team holds on to a lane violation uh, review or something because that's what it shows. It shows that more replay is needed. Adam Silver is the best commissioner in professional sports, and this is the dumbest thing <laughs> in any professional sport to have a review of what went wrong. And as I said yesterday, yeah, that's transparency. But transparency without accountability is just regret. Who cares? This is dumb. Yeah, they screwed up. There are no tiebreakers for games that were lost by blown calls. So why do you have this? What purpose does it serve? I know it's in evaluating the officials. Do that privately. I don't see everybody's personnel file. I don't care about what they say publicly. Privately evaluate them. If they're bad, don't assign them to big games. Don't put them in the postseason. Don't, don't have us relive this with regret because it just makes you furious if you're a Bulls fan two games in a row the refs blew it and that's unacceptable and look Patrick Williams yeah he should have boxed out but tell me this didn't if we're going to agree that Donovan Mitchell had a head start and he had a lane violation didn't that doesn't that factor into the evaluation Patrick Williams wasn't ready pa Donovan Mitchell got a head start How's he going to box out a guy who's already beating him to the spot because he broke the rules? Sorry. I like it. Excellent question.
Ooh, excellent question. On the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast, new White Sox uh, manager Pedro Grafol offered a direct and scathing indictment of last year's Sox team. The one thing that I always go back to is, you know, in game planning for, you know, to play against the White Sox, it's it wasn't so much what can you do to beat them, it's what type of energy and what type of team is coming out there to play against you that particular day. What do you think Grafol's approach and his assessment. <laughs> well, I hope it's consistent. I hope he continues. And I hope that he is the guy that walks in to that clubhouse and makes it clear at spring training that there's a new way of doing business. The Sox were sleepy. It's very rare, though, that you hear people acknowledge it as publicly as he has acknowledged the White Sox complacency and the fact that they were a team that you could tell even though they were talented, if they didn't have the energy, basically if they weren't all in effort-wise on any given day, you could beat them. Because the Sox, that, that was the one of those, that's one of those teams that you could beat and catch on a bad day because they weren't playing up to their potential. Everybody saw that. Everybody in Chicago is nodding their heads and, and agreeing with that. But it's rare that you hear that from an, an opponent who now, a, a past opponent who is now the, the current manager, and he's reminding people just how bad things were. So I liked what I heard from Pedro Grifol. That was an interesting podcast. I just hope it continues and nobody gets to him and says, hey, hey, Pedro, tone it down a bit. Very rare um, that you hear that type of honesty from a guy who's coming into a clubhouse. I, I still, I'm going to stand on what I said before. I'm not going to flip-flop on this. I, I believe that Tony Larusa had his legs taken out from him and was told that, you know, things are different now. You can't do what you did Back in the day, you have to you have to gain the trust and admiration of the leaders of this clubhouse. And it didn't work. And I think but I think it could have worked if they would have allowed Tony to be Tony. It could have worked. Mully's disagreeing with me. He'll answer in a second. But that, that's how I feel. I, I feel that Tony was told you got to get along with certain guys. You got to get along with certain guys. So Tony did that and it failed. Yeah. You know, I, I I'm not as interested in that. Um angle to be honest with you I, I to me was it Bob Brenly who once called the Cubs a dead ass team yeah <laughs> so I mean I, I would I mean let's do the dead ass team podcast for the 2022 White Sox and, and I think it's easy to blame Tony La Russa for that because if you heard any of his halting speech and the, the way the guy it, you know you I, I don't know it was about motivation Dustin it might have been more about energy and really, if you want to blame Tony, then you really ought to blame Jerry because Jerry hired Tony. And I think what's interesting about this is that, in a way, it exonerates Rick Hahn. Uh, his team building, there was nothing wrong with that. They just they just turned into a dead arse team. Um, and and so maybe, maybe this is all okay. Maybe there isn't a big problem with the guy saying this stuff because it, it defends the team building. It just sort of indicts the, uh, the, the previous manager and the hiring of him. And... Um, I hope that that, that this uh, we don't have any more dead butt syndrome going on. And I believe that is an actually medical term with uh, rehab stuff. But I, I hope that that's over. And I hope that the, that the White Sox are rehabbed enough that we're going to see a high-energy team where you know what they're going to give you on a daily, nightly basis. Molly with the memory of an elephant, June 6, 2011. Bob Brenly on the score calls the Cubs a dead-ass team. I don't understand why you're asking that question today, but it's probably a question I'll probably answer later in the season. Love it.
There is the Cubs president, uh, Jed Hoyer. Our guy, John Heyman, reported the Cubs are close to signing veteran first baseman Eric Hosmer, a left-handed bat, a good clubhouse guy. How significant is this move, and where do you see Hosmer fitting in? Um, You know, Dustin, I know we'll, we'll get to you in a second, and I know you're not doing handstands. Here's how I feel him fitting in. I think Eric, Eric Hosmer signed like a monster deal with, I believe, San Diego, and they're still paying it. So you're bringing this guy in for basically, and I don't, I don't know if they had to give him anything extra or just a, a sweetener of any sort, but it's basically like $700,000. It's kind of like a league minimum type deal. At least that's what he's been playing, paying on, playing on because he's being paid by San Diego. So you bring this guy in. He's, he's, you know, he's had some good numbers, uh, left-handed bat. He, he can play some first base for you. And then if, if Matt Mervis ends up being the guy, then you can get rid of this guy without really it hurting you in any way. You're not losing anything by doing this. It, it is just a, it's a stop gap type of move that can get you through a season or you can move on from him effortlessly if you feel there's someone behind him that deserves more playing time. I think it's a good move for that reason. I think there's better options still available out there, and the first name is Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini is a better baseball player right now than Eric Hosmer is. Um, He's a more expensive one. Well, but, but we're, we're, Stop. This Why stop? This isn't the White Sox. Okay, this is the Cubs. Spend some damn money. Are you watching are really, this? Are really? Are really? Is that? Is we? Are we down to? You know, the Cubs. Is this? So this is what the Cubs are doing now. We're gonna have a stopgap seven hundred thousand league minimum guy well, when the division. Fielder, when bud. the division is. That's stopgap. Intelligent spending. When the division is. Okay, hold on a second. Stopgap is not seventeen and a half million. Stopgap is seven hundred thousand. One year deal, buddy. Stopgap. It's still seventeen million. It's a prove it deal for both sides. Totally, totally different situation. Apples and massive how, oranges. Well, how much is he making? How much is Hosmer making? Seven hundred fifty thousand. You no, said from it. the Cubs. Seven hundred fifty thousand. No, he's still being paid by San Diego. Well, you just said from the Cubs. It was one hundred forty-nine million. The Cubs. The contract from the Cubs. Seven hundred. So now the Cubs are on the cheap. And Matt Mervis, while he tore it up at the minor league level, the key word is minor league level. My so my my podcast partner Crawley. I think tweeted out at the best. This is a mom eat your vegetables moment here. Like the Cubs, you know, they'll be, they'll taste. Eric Cosmer will be just fine. Eat your vegetables, Cub fans. Vegetables are good for you. Well, I say this, Dustin, I I think this is a a wise use of the resources though, because you do have an opportunity to get somebody on the cheap. And I know the Cubs don't need to be on the cheap. I want to be consistent here, but I'm not sure that Trey Mancini is that much of an upgrade where you want to give him $10 million, for instance, as opposed to 700000 is going to cost you for a guy who's essentially going to be asked to do the same thing. I know they've bat from different sides of the plate. They may have faith in Matt Mervis. I don't know how much Hosmer will DH. They're not done yet. So the money they saved in going for Hosmer instead of Mancini, the money they saved in going for Barnhart instead of Vasquez, the money they saved in maybe getting Dansby Swanson instead of Carlos Correa, okay, go use it, Jed Hoyer. Go use it, Tom Ricketts, and you have access to the resources, now you have more autonomy. I don't think it's that big of a deal because they're not having the expectations of Hosmer that you do for other players. It's no risk, possible reward. 
possible the key okay, word. Okay, but um, I mean, maybe, it's no risk. Maybe I'll look during the break at our friends from Obvious Shirts if they have an intelligent spending shirt, and I'll get one for each one. Thank of you very much. You guys, I would appreciate you got, that you because you know, what you're that. talking about are apples and big oranges, yep. apparently. Uh, dude, we didn't, no, we didn't no make or, up no that oranges. term. Did you no say oranges, apples and big oranges? No oranges, apparently, right now over at Clark and Addison. Oh, okay. We didn't come up with that term. Okay. Well, we said you did, but you sure are supporting it. <laughs> Eric Hosmer signed an eight-year, $144 million contract in 2018. He's still getting paid. So this is like, this is the Jason Hayward. So so now we are the L.A. Dodgers, the Cubs of the Dodgers. We're going to, we are taking on a, a Hayward-type situation. Hosmer is better than Hayward at this stage of their respective careers. Absolutely. Bad comparison. Not Apples enough. and big no. oranges. No, contract comparison. Contract comparison. <laughs> It takes question. some big oranges to make a decision like that. <laughs> Having keep an eye on top NHL prospect uh, Connor Bedard, who will be rewarded to some teams suffering through a terrible season. Bedard, 17, has been a breakout star of the Hockey Junior Tournament, scoring an overtime goal on Monday with a spectacular individual effort to send Canada to a semifinal meeting with the U.S. tonight. Absolutely, I'm paying attention to this. This is the guy that you want to be part of the Blackhawks. This is the guy that could save the Blackhawks moving forward. Connor Bedard is an outstanding 17-year-old who is dynamic. He has uh, leads the tournament, the Canadian the junior tournament in goals, assists and points. He is a difference maker. He can change a franchise the way Sidney Crosby changed the Penguins, Alex Ovechkin changed the Capitals, Connor McDavid changed the Avalanche or the Oilers, excuse me. Uh, Nathan McKinnon changed the avalanche. All of these things are true about Connor Bedard to whatever team gets him. I hope it's the Blackhawks because he could change the Hawks in the way that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves changed this franchise. He is that good this early. So to answer the question, no, I have not been keeping an eye on Connor Bedard, but I will ask this question to David. David, where can I watch this game later today or tonight i don't know i'm waiting for my son to tell me that he tells me where the canadian juniors are and I can i'm saying in it. order in I, order to keep my eye on him, i need to know sure. where to watch i searched the tv to try to find the game because i wanted to watch it and i couldn't find it anywhere. nhl network i i don't know i, I like i'll find I said, out i'll get an answer yeah let's find out because i did search i didn't know how to how to look up hockey juniors so i looked up hockey and i didn't uh i didn't find anything i i, I saw the nhl games around I watched the Blackhawks yesterday. I sat down and watched the whole game, and they played really well right up to the point where they got to the third period and they got blown out. And they lost, I think it was 4-1. to one. Uh, But they were they were in that game for a long stretch. And then Kaner uh, did not come out in the for the third period. He's got a lower body injury, apparently, um, that was preexisting. Uh, at any rate, I think that Connor Bedard, I, I saw that on Twitter, and I read a story in The Athletic uh, that that um, that made me really hope the Blackhawks lost. One of the reasons I was watching that game is I was kind of babysitting a good loss here. And uh, and I w- as they were in the game, I thought, now great. Now that I'm on the, the Bedard bandwagon, they're going to lose. So David has told me that Bedard is the guy, that he has stepped ahead of, of the other guys. We had heard that there were... Three really good players in this draft going into this season, but he has separated himself. And guys, he is leading the ju- the juniors in scoring this tournament. I think he's got twelve goals in five games or something. He is not just leading it; he's like killing it, dominating. And, and then the I watched the goal he scored. I don't know how good the defense is that he was going against, 
but he scored that goal in overtime. He danced through their team. I mean, he just took the puck and went through like three guys and, and scored. Uh, it, it was really impressive to see him able to do that. And the fact that he's doing it at the age of 17 is extraordinary. So I'm on board. Let's go. Let's go. Let's tank. <laughs> they, they, they don't have to try it that much harder than they're already trying because they've lost 13 and 15 and five in a row. Keep, keep it going. Uh, all right, 312-644-6767. We're going to get to your calls, but we got the extra point next. It's Mully and Hall at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. This has been a dead-ass team. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 the score. According to Cranes, the five highest-paid Chicago athletes as we begin the new year are Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Marcus Stroman, Lonzo Ball, and Vooch. If it's easy to identify the most overpaid in that group, who comes to mind first if asked about the most underpaid athlete in Chicago? Hmm. Who is the most overpaid in that group, do you think? Uh, Zach DeMar, Stroman, Lonzo Ball, and Vooch. Well, Lonzo Ball only because he hasn't played. Yeah. 35 games, I think he's going to at the end of this year uh, have $40 million. And so he will be at a cool clip of $1 million per game played with the Bulls. As for underpaid, the first guy that comes to mind is something that it's, it's only because of the, the rookie contract that he signed. Justin Fields, I think, makes less than a million dollars. And he is the player that has captivated the city the most in the past year. Justin Fields would be the easy answer. If you look at it because of the way that guys are maybe established and veterans who aren't paid what they're worth, I think Dylan Cease would come oh, yeah. to mind yeah. because of what he accomplished and being the, you know, the, the season that he had, the Cy Young runner-up and these kinds of things. I think he is right around $5 million. I think that's what they're – I have to look at. But Spyrek has him at less than a million as well. But I think that there's some uh, arbitration – War. I, I have to look exactly what he is, but he comes to mind first. There's nobody really else on other teams that, that that stand out as much as those two do in terms of underpaid athletes in Chicago. Yeah, I I think that um, that that Dylan sees just because of what pitching makes, because of what he accomplished. Um, I think he's probably the most underpaid. Listen, I mean the the fact is. These are all bulls. I mean, the, the lesson of this is really to, if you can't be a pitcher, then, then make sure that you are... Uh, Tall? Yeah. Water your children, people. <laughs> you want them to grow as, as tall as they can. Um, you know, just off this list, I'd say Lonzo Ball because he hasn't played. i go Lonzo. i go Vooch, Stroman, uh, and, and then... Zach and DeRozan. Now, you could argue Zach is probably the most overpaid of the group because of how he's played this year, but he kind of earned that contract just over the years. I can't really diss him. And DeMar DeRozan is worth whatever you have to pay him because of all that he's done in his career. Um, I, I would uh, throw in that um, at $720,000 a year, I believe that uh, Eric Hosmer is underpaid. But then again, he is still on, on the massive contract. I'm just trying to annoy Dustin. That's all I'm doing. 
And you did it well because I was supposed to go next, and that's exactly where I was going. Oh, so see you knew what my smart-ass routine was yeah. going to play out there. But you, you I, I jumped, jumped the, in, you and, jumped, I, you jumped the shark. and I stole your you glory. You jumped the shark. Jumped the shark. Let's hold so that. So Zach Levine is the most overpaid <laughs> athlete in Chicago, he the $250 million man that isn't the guy that has his ball, the ball in his hands when the uh, – uh, uh, you got your turn. Hold on. Let me finish. You'll get, oh. to, you'll, get to, you'll get to rebuttal. It is the Mully and Haw show. Have you'll I said to, anything? You get to rebuttal. You're, you you're, went, you're, uh, if you're uh, watching on Twitch, you are you are <laughs> chomping at the bit. Speaking of jumping the shark, I believe the term is champing at the bit. But go right ahead. That too. Um, I, I, I've heard more people say chomping than chanting. Um, the most underpaid athlete in Chicago, the Jackhammer, Jack Sanborn. Okay, yes. six hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars. That's the most underpaid athlete in Chicago. If he if he plays middle linebacker for the Bears for three years and two point five million dollars, and he plays at the same level he's played this year when he was available, he will be the yeah. by far the most underpaid athlete in what, Chicago. What was that one word that you used? Available. I love that that is your choice because that's so on brand. And as for Zach Levine, I think you have to be fair. Nah. In the last several weeks, Dustin? in the last couple weeks, he has played both ends better. He has been the guy that has hit the, the clutch shots when asked to take them. Now, he hasn't been asked to take them at the end of the games because you have DeMar DeRozan there, who's very good at those situations. But in fairness, Zach Levine has been very good the last two or three weeks and lived up to being that max guy on the Bulls. Texter Chicks then says, Bayless Jones, rookie contract. He should be paid $15 an hour the way he played. He's done better. Last two games, he's done better. Well, yeah. at least he's made a play. He has. He's been noticeable. He, he hasn't fumbled in he, a couple games. He, he hasn't dropped the pass or fumbled in the last couple games. That's progress. <laughs> mean is what that is. I, I love that you say Dustin is on brand. That's so well. Jack Sanborn yeah. being the most underrated athlete in Chicago. I, I have to be honest, that never crossed my mind. Right. Never did. I, he it's has not been. Not an awful choice. No, it's not an awful no. choice. It's actually a very good choice because yeah. he's, he's an undrafted free agent who has worked his way into now, even though he hasn't been available, a guy that you anticipate starting for you in 2023. I think he could start next year. I'm not saying he couldn't. I'm saying he's got to earn that and he's got to be able to stay on the field for a full year. That's true. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Money, 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 money. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Always fun to talk to our friend Joe Ostrowski, and he joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Good morning, Joe. How are you, bud? Uh, good morning, fellas. How are you doing this morning? Good. Yeah, we're living the dream, and, uh, you know, I think that when I look at the Bears, I see movement on that line against the Vikings, and it makes me wonder. I, I was very surprised it was a pick after how awful uh, the Bears looked last week, but then it quickly moved and it quickly changed, and I guess the Vikings are going to play their starters because they're interested in getting that number two uh, seed, apparently. Yeah, I guess that's uh, what the thinking is. Maybe that helps them down the road with a home game. I don't know. They could be facing a seven, that uh, a team that has a lot of experience against them, coming out of the NFC North possibly. Uh, but, yeah, the line has been moving up because of that possibility. But, but Molly, the only way they get the two is by beating the Bears. Okay, they should be able to do that. And then they need Arizona to beat San Francisco. 
And if San Francisco's going for it, ah, that's going to be tough. It's a 14-point spread. A couple other things uh, coming into play that we'll be hearing the players talk about today. Justin Jefferson is going for the Calvin Johnson record. So if going against this pass defense, he could certainly get there. Needs 193 to match that. We know about Fields needing uh, 63 to catch Lamar. So if Fields starts, does it mean he's going to play the entire game? Not sure. Uh, the Vikings offensive line, pay attention to that injury report this week. You know, they could be down to their third center. So all that's going to be uh, be pretty big. And I'm looking at two defenses that are terrible, the t- 45 and a half. If you bet the over in the Bears-Lions, I'm sorry. You should have won. You had 48 points uh, with 23 minutes of football left and the under hit of 52. But uh, last six Vikings games, over. Bears are an over team. If the starters are playing, that's where I would look in this game. Joe, in the College Football National Championship game, it doesn't seem as if anybody's that impressed that TCU already won a game in which they were the heavy underdogs against Michigan. They are even bigger underdogs against Georgia. What do you advise? What do you think? How many times do you have to learn this lesson, David? When do we stop doubting TCU? It doesn't seem like it's happened yet. Um, And look at the market. I guess some people are betting on the Horned Frogs at this moment because it's come down a little bit. It is Georgia favored by 12 and a half. Georgia favored by 12 and a half. The total is 62 in the hook. Uh, very close to the high totals that we saw over the, over uh, New Year's Eve. And how about that? I mean, you you sit down and you watch those games like, oh, these are going over immediately. Uh, at the, the frantic pace those teams were scoring at. Uh, but I would look, I think Georgia's going to win. But TCU is going to give them a game, and they're going to hang around just close enough to cover. I mean, for them not to be in that ball ball game at the end where they're in a position to cover, we're talking about them being down 20-plus at the end. And I don't think that's going to happen. But, yeah, we, we saw a ton of overs over the last few days in college football. And how about that Illinois finish? I mean, if you oh had the my. Illini plus three and a half, it's 10-10. They're setting up for the game-winning field goal, and all of a sudden you lose the cover. That was brutal. I, I guess the books all gave back the money from the uh, the Bills-Bengals game. Is that is that what's happened kind of uh, universally? And, and how – you know, listen. We we all know um, what the important thing is. It's the it's the health of the player. But mm-hmm. Demar Hamlin uh, in the in the emergency room, being uh, in in critical condition, being revived twice. How has this impacted the way that Vegas has looked at the AFC playoffs? Has it impacted, and and what is anticipated at this point? Hasn't impacted at the moment, and we talked to the lead odds maker over at BetMGM on BetQL Daily yesterday, and he just said, we're in a holding pad. We're all just waiting on the NFL, and Mm. and that's what's happening industry-wide. Now, as far as Monday night, uh, those bets were all voided, so those those players got their money back into their accounts. Uh, I did ask about first touchdowns because we did see a touchdown in that game. Those went through because those tickets get cashed immediately but but there's also other like future bets out there uh i believe the win totals have already cashed so that's not going to be decided whether or not they play a final game but a bet that people make is the number one seed and the nfl with this playoff format they've emphasized getting that number one seed getting the only buy and what's going to happen there are we going to have some sort of a plan before we go into action on Sunday, or are they going to wait and see 
uh, will the number one seed be decided? Because it's probably not going to happen, but there is that possibility. I mean, if I don't think this game is going to be played. Um, what they could do is, as we've all talked about, remove that bye week uh, between before the Super Bowl. But I don't. I don't know. Are you going to have the entire league wait around and then you just have another island game and then we ramp up the playoffs? I'm not sure how the league is going to handle it. At the moment, I would think that they're they're not going to play that game, which means they're really setting it up for Kansas City to get the bye in the AFC. And if you talk to any Bills fan, just sticking with football for a moment, what the regular season was all about was about the Bills getting home field getting that one seed and making Pat Mahomes come to your place. So that would, that would be brutal in a number of ways. Joe, the Nets come into the United Center tonight, which is more, which is more likely a safer bet. The Bulls will end their 12-game winning streak or that Kevin Durant will score 70 points? Oh, <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm going to be a little optimistic, but the Nets are on fire right now. And I guess that's why uh, – we really haven't been talking about them much because they're red hot, because where's the drama? They've won 12 in a row, 16 of their last 17 games. The Bulls are a four-and-a-half-point underdog tonight. Everything's going against them. The referees, you know, the bounces of the ball, uh, we get it. But I, I'm hopeful because when they have given up a ton of points, like they did the other night, they usually bounce back with a fair, pretty good effort. Now, I have a tough time going against the Nets at this moment, but under 235 and a half, you should be able to get there. I expect a better effort defensively. <laughs> oh, it's a dream. Hey, Joe, thanks a ton, buddy. Great catching up with you. Really appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, people, be careful with the inflated lines. Just because a team needs to win doesn't mean they're going to win and cover. In fact, the must-win teams in the last week of the season only cover uh, in the like 37% of the time, so be careful. Wow. Thanks, that Joe. That's great information. Bye. Thank you, buddy. That is Joe Ostrowski, uh, BetQL, our, our man. Um, that is uh, – that's wild that uh, – that, that, that it's that low a percentage. It is. You know? I, that's surprising to me. Because usually you say that the team was something to play for. Yeah. But? It's a little unusual. He also mentioned the Illinois game, the end, and 10-10, oh then 19-10 to 10 to finish. And here's what I want, here's what I want college football to do. Here, here's what I want all of football to do. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this thing at the end of the game where now people are doing these l multiple lateral plays, yeah. limit the number of laterals you can have in one, any one snap. Make it two. That's it. That's it. Really? You can't lateral more than twice. I know you're out. I know you're you're making the the but why? the, the cal. But why? Exactly. It's a farce. It's I know. But also it's... increases the, the injury possibility. Oh, so injuries. It also it just creates this this nonsensical ending to every game. I, I, Multiple what laterals. If they score? I what hate if the team watching scores it. And it works. Yeah. How often does it work, Dustin? Come remember on. Remember the Stanford band play. That, exactly. Thank you. How many years ago um, was that? You, that's a once in a generation type of play. Two laterals, no more than that. And then after that, forget it. David hates rugby. That's what I just heard. <laughs> I, I want Why that to be studied. Like he hates football all of a no, sudden. I love football. Oh. You know I love football. That Them are fight hates, words, Mr. Rhodes. Yeah, he hates. Two laterals because now, yeah, I mean, he it's hates, part of the game. No, it's he not. Hates, he hates no, gimmicks. He hates that, trick plays. 
So you didn't like Cole Komet under center flipping it to Justin Fields? Oh, no, 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 no. That's very different. That's strategic. That's innovative. That's that's a beautiful football play. What happens at the end of these games, it's farcical. It's nonsensical, and it's it should be outlawed. Well, it should be outlawed when you're the only guy doing it, and the rest of the team doesn't realize what the hell you're doing. <laughs> That's when you outlaw it. But if it's a, if it's, I I find that really amusing. I I really do think it's funny, just funny, because it is like, like rugby. It. it is. I know you don't, but that's the, you know it's. It's. I mean, it's a desperate. Don't, do you not like the Hail Mary? Come on! I no? love the Hail Mary. That's a football play. Do you like the Statue of Liberty play? I love that even better. <laughs> I do. I love these trick plays. I don't like the multiple lateral. Let's try to you know throw it across the field to an offensive lineman who's going to toss it to a tight end who's going to toss it back to an offensive lineman who's going to get the quarterback killed. No. 312-644-6767. It's a very particular stance you have here. It is. And I like it. Mully and Haw on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.